Motown Rundown. Today is Wednesday, October 12th. I am sick. I'm not happy about it. I got my flu shot yesterday, and I'm not going to make this. Um, we're not going down that road that I think people already have in their mind where we're going, but I specifically told the nurse yesterday when she asked me if I wanted the flu shot. I said, nurse, if this is one of those things that might make me sick after getting it, I don't want it. And she was like, okay, well, you don't have to get it. Doctor comes in and she was like, I think you should get the flu shot. She sold me up the river on it. I go, doc, you know more than I do. Give me the shot. And here we are. I don't sound good. I don't feel good. My so it was, hurts. it was doctor over the top. It was like doctor audible then just said, well, I mean, you're doing it. I don't, I would hate to bring. I love my doctor. She's great. She keeps me in check. This is the kiss know, of death. You're about to say, but. Well, this is like almost malpractice. I told, I was very specific. Like, I don't, I think I can handle the flu fine. And I, she wanted me to get the flu shot. And I, I'm hoping that's what it is because that should, this should be gone by tomorrow. I've got. Pistons preseason game. I have to work tomorrow. I got the Red Wings home opener on Friday. I got Michigan State on Saturday. So I got things going on. And th- just how I operate, I push through all of it. I, I, I'll I go to everything, and that's just going to make me even more sick. And like last November, I was sick three times in the month of November. Never tested positive for the C word. But here I am. Trent, you're under the weather, too. Collins is exhausted from work. They were just in the throes of, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I'm not happy about any of it. This is a big episode. We got Red Wings season preview today. We're going to recap the Lions-Patriots game. They're obviously on the bye this coming week. So next week, we're going to wrap up Tigers, and we're going to do a Pistons season preview. But this this is like my coming out party every year is the Red Wings preview, and I'm running low, low energy. Well, I mean, need you to pick it up. I'm gonna be I, honest. <laughs> I'm, I literally, I'm emptying the tanks. I've burned the boats. I, I'm just saying, I'm gonna need you to pick it up for the winds preview. The boat, the boats have been burned. I'm, I'm, I'm literally laying in bed. Bad. Radio, I, I can but... see we have cameras on this Zoom. I know, but I'm just saying for the people that don't get to watch us on TV. For the people we're on TV. How's for the everyone people else that feeling? missed our uh, our live showing, for the people that missed up. our live broadcasts on Fox, nationally syndicated, yeah, everyone clap it up. We used to do all right though. Do you remember that? Yeah, the Facebook lives were good, except that we were just there was like recording five on my cell phone. So sometimes we got people to watch. I thought that was a great thing that we did. We didn't have good equipment though. We were just doing it on on my phone, but. That was a good time. That was a good period of Motown rundown history. And now we've just been on Zoom for the last, it feels like eons until we get the, we need to get some sponsorship money so we can build a facility. So anyone out there that's looking to invest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 150K sponsorships. <laughs> just to, to build an office for us and we can fly 50, everyone 50 out. goes into our pockets and then the other K maybe goes to a, a basement studio. And then some to the Boys and Girls Club of Michigan. Figer Law. I don't know about Figer that. Um, yeah. Start working What's on Figer on, Law. Guys? Someone else, I'm passing the ball. Here's the pass. Someone else, go. What's going on? I'm doing fine. We just need here. Here's the thing. We need a little positive vibes because we're gonna get into the we're gonna get, we're gonna get into the Lions game, Cryman Squaw. 
That's the first order of business. Yeah. Really, really bad stuff to talk about there as Collins is shaking his head already. So, I don't know. I, I wish I had like a nice, like, you know, spin zone, positive something to say right now. And I don't. I don't know. All my sports is- teams suck. It's the fucking worst. It's like <laughs> it's been this way for fucking three years, basically. Collins. Other than Michigan State football last year being like mm-hmm. having that really cool season, everyone sucks. It's great. Uh, I, and I've officially, I've officially, I'm not going to do this until after Michigan State gets housed against Michigan. I've officially like started to be like counting down the days of college basketball. Oh no! Yeah, and the thing about it is, I'm excited for the Wings and Pistons. I think the Pistons, I it would be shocking for them to make the playoffs. I don't like what I heard. Derek Lalonde, whatever how the fuck did you say his name? Lalonde. You, are, I mean, we're gonna talk about the Wings. He basically was like, no team jumps twenty points in a year. Yeah, basically, I wanted Rabs' thoughts on that. Too, basically, tempering expectations. Bad. I'm excited to watch both these teams. They have young pieces on everything. But for, like, a team for me to be, like, competitive, like, it doesn't really necessarily seem like that could be the case this year. So I, I'm counting down today's to Michigan State basketball, which is sickening because they're not not be that good either. Well, hey, Jaden Nakin says he's going to be ready for opening night. And I do want to throw Sweet. this out there. Marvin Bagley, it looked like he had a really bad knee injury the other day. Oh, I thought night. he tore his ACL last night. I was oh, furious. Oh, it's not, it's not as bad. It's three to four week injury, they say. I, I, I'm sure it'll take a month at least, but – He's just that did not look good. It's an MCL sprain with a bone bruise. So he's okay. Very encouraging there because all signs pointed towards ACL. It was non-contact. He was in a lot of to pain. To be honest, it's pretty hard to get hurt in preseason basketball. Well, you'd think. He still registered for zero minutes on the on the uh, box score. So that was impressive to get hurt that early into the game. But, hey, Marvin Bagley's going to be okay. That's big news for the Pistons. Again, as Rabs mentioned, we'll have your full Pistons preview next week. Sometime they may be a game or two into the season already. Don't sue us. Don't get upset. We'll have plenty of stuff for you. They do play 82 games. Yeah, Did we're you guys sorry. See the Pistons alternates that got leaked. Oh, the, the green ones. ones. Yeah, they're horrendous. No, the green. I think they're set, dude. Someone have... sent me a picture of them so I can and, see. And yes, Rabs, you have that look in your eyes. Like, did you just say green? Yes, I said green. Send the me Pistons a picture. Green alternates. Send me well, a it's going to be their city jerseys this year. And what's it called? I think it's St. Cecilia. It is. It's a cool It's a cool nod to a very historic gym in Detroit. I think that's sick. I'm going to be honest. I think it's cool. A lot of the rumors going around on Twitter were that the green was an homage to uh, Verner's, which I thought was funny while it lasted. Uh, Yeah. The logo kind of looks like a Verner's thing. No, it does. People. (laughs) I'm I'm working on a picture for Rabs in the meantime. Send the the picture. I'm just saying, I don't, I kind of like them trying other than the fact that they're green. Well, that's the whole thing. That's why I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I, if you're gonna do a city jerseys, they haven't really gone wacky any of these years. You might as well get wacky one of these years. I, I just a green jersey is just obnoxious to me for the Pistons to even touch. No, no team in the city needs to touch the color green. You have Michigan State right down the road. I, I just, I honest, Trent, I might buy merch of that. I actually think the jersey. <laughs> okay. Okay, I digress. Look, I, I, I'm i never one to get that upset about uniforms. I kind of only get excited about uniforms if I like them. And if I don't like them, it's just, eh, whatever, because they're only going to wear them, like, I don't know, what, four or five Maybe times years. this year? 
And yeah, it's only for one season, but I was not impressed. I they looked like they, it looked like a fake thing when I first saw it. It's like the Cade Cunningham shirt. I mean, it's leaked. It's not confirmed. It should not be. It should be false. I'm trying to find a picture for Rabs. I need you to find a picture. I can find one. I'll send one to Rabs. You know the NBA. It just there's too many jerseys. I can't see that Trent. I can't sorry, see I that. I don't know what else you oh. want from me. I don't know what else you want from me. Wait, 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 wait. Put it up there again. No, I'm trying to find a better picture because you couldn't see that one here. Can't you just screenshot it and hold on? Well, sure I can. You're sorry. That's all I was asking you to do. <laughs> Rabs, I'm sending it to you right now. Thank you, Collins. Jesus. Check your Twitter. My Twitter? <laughs> yeah. Check mm. your Twitter, not your text messages, your Twitter. Um. Oh, hang on. Uh, I actually don't hate the logo, but I don't understand. Like, Oh, this is the gym? Yeah, St. Cecilia. I like that. That's cool. It's a cool, it's like a meaningful jersey. I just That's cool. Think... There's too many jerseys. Every team has too many jerseys. It's pathetic. I, I'll it's, agree it's, with that. Enough is enough. I'll agree um, with that, Rabs, especially after we made, you know, the earth almost shattered when we found out the Pistons were bringing the teal back, but I digress. By yeah. the way, Rabs, did the Pistons, yep. I mean, did the Wings ever wear the reverse retros last year? Uh, two games, I think. One or two games. Yeah. Actually, were those think... like the gray ones? Yeah, yeah they, they were stumped. fucking They're awful. Terrible. Yeah, I liked them. them once, I think once or two, once or twice. They're not good at all. They're, they're, I like those. They're the worst that in, that the NHL has done reverse retro wise. Are they Every out of commission? Retro was cool, except the wings one, basically. I do think the wings now, um, because all the teams are getting not all the teams because some teams actually still have some dignity in 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 their tradition of their program, but. The Wings are getting a jersey ad sponsor. I believe it's Chevy that's going on the right side of their chest, so they're moving the captain's patches back to, like, the tip of the wing like it used to be when Iserman played, and the not the letters are significantly smaller, which doesn't look great, but that's Do you really that. care about an ad sponsor, dude? On a, jer- on, a, on a jersey for an original six team, yeah, I do. I do. I think it's dude. Everyone that's a fair take. Them, you're not. You're not going to notice it after like two weeks. Edmonton doesn't have it. Edmonton's not. Doing no, what, Rabs? I think class. that's a fair take. I will also say though, if I can meet you in the middle I here, you could have state. much worse. You could have so many worse ads than Chevy, like UWM again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, isn't that already call- on the helmet? It's on the helmet. Well, no, I think it was my. It was on the helmet. I sat up in bed, by the way, just so everyone knows. So yeah. I'm- well, first of all, I will say <laughs> that. Rabs, are they still gonna have the helmet sticker too? There, it's the ads on the helmet, and I think it's on the jersey. Two are they put the same? Are they the same logo? I think it's Meyer. I think it's Meyer on the helmet again, and Chevy on the jerseys. From what okay, I'm that's well, at least at least that's true to Michigan, and it's true to Metro Detroit. I suppose. I just think you're an original six team. It's embarrassing. I don't whatever. disagree. I don't disagree. When Edmonton Oilers disagree. aren't doing it. Some teams aren't doing it. Um, what else was I going to say? I don't know. Michigan State football not great. Well, I was we don't there. Need to talk about them. They suck. Well, I did. It was nice. I saw Collins in the stands. Collins and Jack were in the stands before I went to my section and we gave, we embraced and Collins was like, I I have a money line. Collins was like, I have a money line. I have a money line. I have a money line. When they had the pick six, when Chuck Brantley had the pick six, I thought the game was over. I thought state had won and that was it. And that was easy. But 
That was tough. Yeah, but well, I honestly, this is I really gave Michigan State in that first half every opportunity to be in that football game, and they just decided not to be in it. So yeah, I uh this is also this game against Wisconsin. I don't want to confuse my mortal locks with this, but this is my uh by the way, guys, line in the, the way, sand game of the year. What am I uh, six and oh? You're six and oh, yeah, it's incredible. Oh, Collins, my dad was like Tell it's, make sure you tell me what Collins bets. It is amazing. It's amazing. Up. And it's like he doesn't like doesn't even sweat the games as mortal locks. My I will say this. I know we're not doing the mortal locks right now. My mortal lock on the show last week was TCU Kansas over 68 and a half. And I did not bet it until the line moved to 69 and a half. And half. And yes. 69 on the button. Ravs, I noticed that. And I went back <laughs> to listen to our episode because I was like, what did Ravs get this at? Because I knew it moved. I didn't, I didn't take move it. so much. It went from 68 and a half to 69 and a half. It wasn't like oh, that much. Oh, I think much. it's 64 and a half. I was like, no, 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 no. But I, I gave the pick out at 68 and a half. And I did not physically bet it until it was at 69 and a half. Hey, then the, guess what? The listeners 69. who took your advice, your gambling advice, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a problem, they cannot yes. be upset with you then because that you has a win. Yeah, astray. that's a win. That's a, that's and a that, by the way, win. that's also just like prime example, a of Vegas, just pulling our pants down whenever they feel like, Oh it. yeah, I got spanked. Like, how do you hit the number like that? That's insane. I know I got spanked, but whatever. Let's uh, let's do lions. They're on a bye week coming up, but. Um, 29, nothing. They get shut out on the road in new England. And, uh, I mean, Dan Campbell said it himself as far as this being rock bottom. And I, I mean, fuck, I hope so. Like I, I was. <sighs> yeah, that's rock bottom getting shut I, out by I, a third I, string. I, I'll say this. <laughs> I, I am so over. Hey guys, it's on me. This is like the sixth week you've said that, dude. <laughs> I know, Collins. I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting you like. Can't nervous. do it like, every week. At what point should we start listening to him? Like, at what point is it like, oh, this actually is his fault, and he does suck? As well, well, look, look. I'm not look. saying that. I'm just saying if you keep putting the blame on yourself, that's what's going to start happening. This team's one yeah. and four. I mean, there is, there's always an element when you're playing the Patriots and you're playing Bill Belichick that you you know that they, they're going to bring the game plan no matter what. Now, the Patriots don't have the personnel that they once did, which is obviously why they're they were a one and three team going into that game, just like you were. Um, but from from start to finish, I mean, they were really like it felt like and I shouldn't say this, like they were in the game and there was one glaring coaching mistake that you made. Were they? They were the when it was when it right, was look, they got past like the 40. Look, look, the opening drive. And this is this is primarily what I want to bring attention to for the second week in a row here with the coaching. And I'll, I, I have my piece on Dan Campbell, and that's primarily what I want to get at today. But when you are playing on the road, especially when you're playing against not a second string, but a third string rookie quarterback play, taking his first snaps under center in front of the home crowd in the regular season as a rookie. For Dan Campbell to go for it on fourth down when you're on your own 40 or 45-yard line, and, and I get it, man. He, he's aggressive, and he wants to go whatever wonderful you i am i am done defending the aggressiveness because that in that spot on your own 40 45 yard line on the first drive of the game that's a ball you punt dude 
because worst case scenario, if that's a touchback, they're starting at their own 20 and you make Bailey Zappi go the entire length of the field. If they want to get points, you're lucky they kept them to three, but that was a blatant flat out wrong decision that he made. They were 0 for six on fourth down in that game. And that kind of stuff to me is absolutely unacceptable. And, and, and I don't know what it's going to take for Dan Campbell to pull the reins back a bit because it almost felt like he doubled down from last week and being like, fuck you, this is what we do. We're going to be aggressive. I'm going forward on fourth down. I don't care. That's the wrong move to make. So there were in, they could have been in the game from the jump. Where, they, where the game was over, where the game factually ended, where it's six nothing, you're fourth and nine, and you're lined up for what could be a forty-eight yard field goal. With who though? That's with Badgley, who played in the NFL all last year for San Diego, Rabs. and he's been a pro, Listen. and he's a real player. But whoa, Trent, whoa, whoa, Trent, 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 Trent. No, finish. Let, let, let Rabs finish. Trent, Trent, you're fourth and nine. You're lining up for what what would be a forty-eight yard field goal at six nothing. You can kick and get your three with what? What is there? Three minutes left in the half, Probably. and presumably go to the room, and it's six to three, and you're in the game. Instead, it's fourth and nine. Jared Goff drops back to pass on fourth down. He's the only quarterback in the league that turns it. I say it every week. He turns his entire back to the field. It takes him two hours to get his hips around. And not only does he get sacked for what would have been a 40 yard loss, but he drops the ball off his leg. Like, like you think it was like me playing flag football and it gets picked up for a scoop and score. And you're now down 13, nothing as opposed to six, nothing. That's where the game ended. So, sure. so to your point about the kicker, Trent Badgley, I don't know what his first his first thing. I want to say Marvin, Michael. something of Marvin Badgley, Mike Badgley, who kicked all of last year for the LA Chargers or whoever he was on last year, is a real pro kicker. And so, I get what you're saying as far as this is just some guy off the street in theory because he hasn't been playing in the NFL this year. First of all, I don't know how. Mike Badgley must have been on vacation in Aruba when they signed that guy last week, whoever the fuck was kicking for the Lions last week. How you didn't call Badgley before him is criminal. Well, he was on the Bears. He was on the Bears last week. Badgley was? He literally kicked for the no Bears shit. last week. All right. Well, either so, so way. This, this is my thing, and, I, and I, I promise I'll let you get back to it, but it's just because of the result of what happened. It was literally, it's not just that you didn't convert. I mean, I don't, I wasn't even expecting them to convert a fourth and nine. I wanted them to go for it because I didn't want to kick it. And then you just end up with a Jared Goff, like you said, passing it off his leg. And then, you know, whoever it was, Judon picks it up. Was, yeah. was it Judon or no? Yeah, it was Judon. But Goes the, all the way the, down the point, to the end zone. The so point be, being, I understand is... what you're saying, but I'm saying, I'm just saying, I think the tone changes because of what happened there. Like, of course, especially of course after last week, the kicking situation is just a dumpster fire and we've known this. So I just, I, 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 I understand the thought process there. Of course. And unfortunately you found yourself up on the wrong end but like the wrong Dan, side of it. And yes, game over. You're correct. For, for Dan Campbell, like afterwards in his press conference and like his excuse was, I had a number in mind of what I wanted to get the, like, what did I want to be at yardage wise? It's like, dude. What are you on to be? Throw a 35-yard kick? 
Like, is that is that what you were hoping for? I'm going to be honest. I don't think they were kicking anything other than extra points all day. I really, I really, I really think that was the game plan. I mean, they brought just, this like, guy. It's just amazing, dude. It, I, it's I don't just... disagree. I don't disagree. I just, I mean, other than that, like they were terrible. But I, I just gave you the two plays that that I, you know, I we hashed Uncle Steve and I hashed it out. He agrees. The, to on the opening drive to go for it and give them the ball in your own territory was criminal. You're 0 for 6 on fourth down conversions. And then you lost the game because you just you just would didn't want to kick. And like, so what's the point of having a kicker on your roster? And I get that they don't have a good one, which is something that I mean, I just watched Justin Tucker make a kick in the granite. He's the best kicker to ever do it. I I just watched him make a kick in the fourth quarter that would have been good if the if the uprights were a half a yard apart. It was so perfect. Daniel Carlson nails like these kickers. Like I think Austin Seibert, who's your actual kicker when he's healthy, I oh, think he his got career cut. long is like fifty three. Is he really? They Great, cut him, dude. Great, Trent. You want to kick next week? No, I mean, I, I, I want to know this. Uh, like, what what silly. odds would I have to give you to 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 take Jack Fox to at least attempt a field goal this year? I don't know, but but look, before I turn it over because I don't have much else. I mean, this is like you, Jared Goff, so far this season was playing at like his B plus B game. And it's been good enough. And the offense has put up points. And you still don't have DeAndre Swift. And I don't really understand what's wrong and why it's so hard for him to put the pads on and play. And you abandon the run again during the game. The offensive line got pushed around a little bit, which is very uncharacteristic of them. Defensively, you're atrocious. You have the worst linebackers in the league. And no one can cover every anything. You get abused in the flat. You had a million people get hurt during the game. Like I've never seen anything like it in my life. And this the, the the cherry on top was like, look, that's what Jared Goff is. So anyone that has a, anyone that's not on the brink of insanity knows that he factually can't be the quarterback here next year. I don't think we have to open that up again. But look, before you guys go. I love Dan Campbell. I think he's a great leader of men. He's a great motivator. He's been a fucking terrible head coach. He's been terrible. So either you let someone else make the decisions and the play calling, and you can just be a strength and conditioning coach and rip your shirt off and drink your three coffees and run around the sideline naked and do whatever you want to do. Like that's fine. But as far as decision-making is concerned, they, he, he is terrible and I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of these 97 won the ticket fools who uh, he could be gone by Thanksgiving. That's incredibly unfair to do to someone with a roster. That's still not that good that you at least give him to the, like what, what, what benefit does it do for you with the team being one and four that's going into a bye week If you fire the guy mid season, like you're all of a sudden going to get around and he's going to get, he's gonna get next year too. He's going to get at least half his contract, which I'm truly fine with, but me like too. something's got to give. And I just don't, I, I, there is nothing that has shown me that he has learned from his past mistakes and that he understands what the right decisions were in hindsight, looking at what he does, like he stands by every decision. And yes, Dan, you do have to be better. And it's as simple as like anything you think you want to do, Dan, do the opposite. You want to go for it on fourth and nine? No, please don't do that. It's not fourth and inches. It's not fourth and one. And, and really the NFL has this true epidemic now of all these coaches that pull out that stupid little laminated card of, well, when it's this down and distance with this amount of time and the and the sun's in this phase and the moon's in this position and 
This is where the wind's at. This is what we should do. And it cost the Raiders a game. It should have cost the Chargers a game this week. Like, these coaches are fucking ridiculous. I, it's, it's really... The Chargers thing was blasphemous. He that should was, have been fired for did that. You, did you see that? Like, he should you... have been fired. Okay, and and so... that team underachieves with the roster they have incredibly because of that coach. But I'm here for Dan Campbell. He hasn't been good. And, and I know I we all drank the Kool-Aid and Hard Knocks was great. And we all had a boner about it before the year, myself included. Because I tweeted, if this team doesn't win a Super Bowl with Dan Campbell, they're not winning with anyone. They could win a Super Bowl with any other coach in the league right now. Rebs, you remember what you said last Maybe. week? What I say that regardless of the result, this is a different Lions organization. Do you remember you said that I did? Say, I did say that. I think that this <laughs> team is different. I do think it's different, but the coach has absolutely slaughtered this team. I think he's a double A. Okay, I so think, here's no, I what think I Matt saw. Matt Patricia and him are friends, and I think Matt Patricia sent Dan Campbell to the Lions to to just to shove it back in our face. I do think the team's different. The defense stinks. They don't have any very good players on the defensive side of the ball. But I do think it's different, and your coach is just absolutely ruining your team from the inside out at this point because okay. he's not a very good head coach. He's just okay. not. Okay. Rah, 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 rah. So I, I don't. I don't think we can say he's not very good. I think what we can say is he's still unproven and hasn't proven a whole lot. Granted, he's won Terrible four games decisions. in two years, and and the decisions in hindsight have not oh. been great. I'm still a little more. I, I'm still. I still have a little more patience than you do. Although I'm wearing thin as well. Collins, please jump in if you ever feel like it. Here's what I saw. That team finally ran out of gas without DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. Very, 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 very limited, as well as, you know, no DJ Chark. Say what you want about DJ Chark. He's got some drops this year. He's your best deep threat on the team. And I just the, I, I just think you finally ran into the buzzsaw of, I don't know, the greatest coach of all time, the greatest game planner of all time. That's just – that's a horrible game to not have your number one running back, a banged-up O-line, your number two receiver – you understand what I mean. So it's like terrible loss. Season's over. We know going into the bye week at one and four, your season's over. We all said it beforehand. My big, 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 big takeaway from this game, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole because we swore we wouldn't spend more than 15 minutes on Lions, which I'm sure we already have. Where the fuck is Aiden Hutchinson, dude? Where is that guy? And for pro football focus to come out and say, oh, he had a great, uh, he had a great uh, game. He actually had an 80.1 rating. Collins, you'll appreciate this. World of Isaac tweeted. He goes, he goes, Pro Football Focus said Aiden Hutchinson had an, you know, it was pretty good this week. Source, trust me, bro. That's just like, it's like, where are you at, man? I And I know, I know these are two completely different players, but I posed this question to my dad and my brother on game day. Like, Ndamukong Su, you took him second overall. He walked in here and instantly became one of the greatest Lions we've ever seen. And I'm just, I know it's a different position. He's an inside guy. Hutchinson's an outside guy, even though they play him inside. Something's not working there because he's literally had one good quarter this entire season. So I, that's my thing. He's got to step it up. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys follow Malcolm Rodriguez and and Hutch on Instagram, but they're doing this new Starsky and Hutch thing. It's all, it's all, hoo, hoo, rah, rah, it's all fun. And it's like, embarrassing. I asked my dad, I was like, who drove the car? Was it Hutch? Cause Hutch isn't driving this car. Like it's, it's not working. So that that's my big take. Like seriously from a 29 to zero loss or whatever the hell the final score ended up being. That's my biggest takeaway from that game. Aiden Hutchinson, who you invested the number two overall pick. And again, I, I want to be very, very clear. I'm not standing here trying to make the case or like 
oh, I was beating the drum for Kyle Hamilton or I was beating the drum for Kayvon Thibodeau. I wasn't. I wanted Hutchinson. I'm just saying I would like a little bit more than, I don't know, 12 minutes of, of, of number two overall production. That's that's all I'm saying. Collins laid out some great points last week. Nothing changed uh, from week to week. Surprise there. I just want to time. One for, thing is, what a time I, for the I will week. say this about Hutch. We, I'm so sick of the whole. And I said that I've said this last two weeks. If everyone's like, "Oh, you can't be critical," you went to Michigan State. I watch you with my own two eyes. It is just right now. He physically does not look like a number two pick, which is concerning. If the production was there, if it wasn't there, and I, I saw some signs like, oh, like he'll be fine. He's getting the pat. Like, he got the zappy one time, just spin, spin cycle. But if he's living in the backfield, being productive in the run game, or doing other stuff, I wouldn't care about the numbers. But, like, as you watch from an eye test, it doesn't look like he's doing anything. Also, one thing I want to say, Rav's talked about this, it was asinine that they went for it on fourth and nine. And if you you might as well not have a kicker in the roster if you're not going to kick. Thank I saw you. the Kansas City Chiefs. Harrison Bucker didn't play last week. They pick a kicker off the street. He makes a 55-yarder to end the half. What the fuck are your scouts Yeah, doing? listen, he missed it's two kicks in that, that game, though, too. It's not that hard to find a kicker. He missed two kicks in that game, too. I'm just saying. Still, Trent, you kicked that 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, they're pro also, kickers, man. Come on. Also, the Lions season is over. It basically is. Well, yeah. So it, it, four, it, yeah. You wanna, and, and to be honest, none of us said they were making the playoffs. And, and, and I think the first three weeks we uh, we clouded our judgment because I think they looked like a very serviceable team. Season's over. They're not coming back from one and four. Uh, I, I, you just don't do that with the roster they have. They're pretty banged up. So now we're moving into a season, and it's week five, which sucks. It sucks, and and I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. They're gonna win a bunch of shitty games at the end of this season to make their record look better, and they're gonna end up around seven and ten. It's gonna be a classic, like mid Stafford season back in the day. Yeah, like they're Which, finally gonna take advantage of the 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 Jets. Like they're gonna win the last okay. four games of the year. You know what I'm though? Gonna, I, I'm starting to get concerned. Not concerned, but like it's just funny how this stuff works out. And I really wish I could remember this gentleman's name. Uh, he played for he played for the Lions, and he does the he does one of the Dan Orlovsky. No, 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 no. They do the pregame show with Rob Rubick at the Bud Light Power Hour. This 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 gentleman, he was a very nice man. Played for the Lions for like one or two seasons, and he's up there doing his due diligence. And, I, and no, 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 no. It was like way back before we played. I'll I'll get back to you on this because I know I me or Brock can think of his name, but. I end up going up to him. I shake his hand. I'm talking to him. This is like last year. We're talking about how the culture has shifted. You finally won your first game. Now we're starting to talk about all this. And I said, you know, next year you play a fourth place schedule. Blah, blah. He said, stop right there. There is never an easy schedule in the NFL. And you know what? You're looking at it right now because the Giants, who I thought sucked, are four and one. The Jets are a mid-tier team in everyone's power rankings. The Jaguars are still very much alive to win that division. The Bears somehow have more wins than you do. And these are all games that all three of us sat here. I have the sheet right here that we kind of went through and said, oh, you should beat the Patriots. It doesn't matter whether Mac Jones or Brian Hoyer or Bailey Zappi is playing quarterback. So I don't, 
Collins, to your point, like they might win a bunch of games here, but now it's starting to look like this, this schedule wasn't as easy as we all thought it was going to be. Go figure. I don't know. That's, that's my only thing. I didn't mean to cut you off. If there's any more thoughts. Oh, I'm just saying them, it's, they, that's all I got for Lions. It last, the thing that's disappointing is last week was legit a must win week and yep. it was the worst they looked all year. And yeah, didn't even show up and that's on your coach. It is. And it's the same shit that I Michigan State. Like, at some point, it's coaching. At some point, it is coaching. And, by the way, I wasn't even mad about the first fourth and one call. It was legit maybe the worst play call I've ever seen on a fourth and one, considering the fact, I, I know the rushing numbers won't, like, put this in the pudding. It felt like they were getting three or four yards every single time they decided to line up and just run the football. I, I also think no, Collins, you're exactly that was right. Crazy. That, that Jamal is the bread and butter. You obviously know he's getting the football. Yeah. Well, it was so stupid. No well, the, creativity there. Just run the football up the gut. You're getting that first down. And that's been the bread and butter of this offensive line and really this unit all year. And that's why that was so frustrating. And also, I'm pretty sure the Detroit Lions have committed to never giving Jared Goff a quarterback sneak in his entire two seasons here because that right there was a ta- was your chance to do it. Like. They won't even try it, man. They won't even try a QB sneak with Jared Goff when you need a half a yard. That's it. I'm done. I, I, I your, your defense finally showed up, kinda. You finally kinda showed up, and you hold them like you said, Rabs. You hold them to six points, really, in the first half. You gave them seven on the Goff fumble or whatever. So for you to score zero points in not only the first half but the second half, and if you do the math there, that is zero points for the game <laughs> it's just it's it, like it i don't I'm, i've run out of words to describe we go through these ebbs and flows of like it's the number one scoring offense and then the defense finally shows up and the offense doesn't score a point it's 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 uh i i, I i'm done i got nothing i've got I, nothing. I don't want to talk about them anymore yeah. but I, it's some of the decisions campbell's made this year and to get blown out to a not-that-good New England Patriots team. To Bailey Zapp, a third-string quarterback. I watched this guy last year play Michigan State. And he was actually pretty good at Western Kentucky, I will say that. But, like, even Michigan State beat Western by, like, 25 points. I'm just saying, I, I'm – my football teams have broken me. So, I'm, I'm done talking about them for this week. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the Lions are on the bye. Um, let me go – Look at the picks real quick. I know they're on the buy, so we don't have picks to give this week, but I did want to look. Oh, we all had Lions plus three and the under 45 and a half. So we hit the under, but obviously the Lions didn't help us out at all. So, all right, that's that. That's Lions talk. Um, we'll do mortal locks at the end, but before we do that, um, it is time to talk Red Wings. The NHL regular season is now underway. For some reason, the Wings start really late they open the season on friday the 14th at home against the montreal canadiens um pretty raps 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 i'll be working i have a i have a quick question because i I love i love to be studious here and i'm going to show up and listen to you give all your wings knowledge i'm going to be a sponge because i'm all in (laughs) on this season i've been texting you all week i think rasmussen Rasmussen breakout year but who is going to win light the lamp on valley sports detroit this year (laughs) oh You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm. I don't know if they let Natalie do it. Is Natalie part of the the light the lamp? 
Natalie Kerwin. I am not sure if the report. I don't think so. I think what's called she'll be at a bunch of the games. I think isn't Trevor Thompson the in-game reporter for the Wings? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jimmy Howard wins it this year. He's new to the team. I got Mick. I got Mickey. Dude, shout out to Mickey Redmond wearing I. I don't think we discussed this enough. I always mention it every single time I watch a Wins game. The fact that he just decided that I'm gonna wear a dress shirt and a Carhartt like flannel. Flannel, yeah. It's so funny. It's awesome. Amazing. No one says funny. a word. It looks terrible. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, that's great. I anyway, I didn't mean to derail everything. No, I just, Jimmy I think, Howard's the guy. I think the Jimmy broadcast the games. What they is Jimmy in- Howard doing this year? I think he's just going to do like what Ozzy does. They're going to kind of rotate in there on the desk with Keating. Is Ozzy in the mix still? Yep. Still Ozzy. They just added they, Jimmy because Man Manon Rayom is gone. Who is? Manon Rayom. Oh, chick. the woman who's the goalie? Yes. Can you okay. um can you please tell us the story of you being in Jimmy uh, or not Jimmy, Stevie Wise's car before? Oh, my you, God, um... dude. Yeah. That, so So yesterday – um, I guess every year the Red Wings have this, they call it the face-off event at the Motor City Casino soundboard. And it's essentially where all the corporate sponsors. So pretty much anyone or any company that, you know, uh, spends millions and millions of dollars on advertisements and whatnot with the team, they basically get to come to a, a dinner and there's a, the whole team's there and they get their audit. They walk through the line of the team and, get stuff signed. And then there's a Q and a with Lalone and Iserman and Ken Kale runs and whatnot. So I was over there helping, um, one of our, uh, one of our operations managers who's been here for like 30 years or something. So he asked if I wanted to go help. And so basically all we were doing was like, as the players were arriving, we were just lining up their cars just so they could, you know, whatever they could get up, get out and exit when they had to. And the last person to arrive was, was Mr. Iserman. And he parked across the street in the wrong parking lot. So he walks over with his keys and um, Mark, the guy I was working with was like, he's like, Hey, you know, like you can pull your car over here or whatever, but I know you're running late. So he just gave Mark the keys and he's like, you guys can pull the car around. So walked across the street, found his little electric Porsche and whipped it on over to the soundboard, which was pretty cool. I, I mean, it's his wife's car. But it was pretty. It was pretty sweet. I just, I don't know. It was just cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were in the car that he drove to the event. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. cool. It was a huge fanboy moment. But yeah, no, it was, it was cool. So that was exciting last night to kind of have that that face off event that they do, and um, you know, the whole the the whole team was there, which was sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from all that, we'll get into the business here. Um, they start the season on Friday at home, which is great. I'm sure it'll be a sold out crowd. Um, play in Montreal, who has some pretty ex- exciting storylines. I mean, Nick Suzuki gets named captain over there, so his first regular season game is is captain. The number one overall pick in this year's draft, Uri Slavkovsky, made the Canadians roster, and he will be in the lineup on opening night. So, um, and it's an original six matchup too. So, pretty pretty sweet to uh to see that go down on night one. Um, so just just to kind of look at the team and. You know, I could. I feel like I could always talk about this team for hours. I love the Red Wings. I love hockey, um, and it's you know something that I feel like I'm well versed in. But so I'll, I'll we'll try to just break it down as best we can. Um, this team last year, coming off of a 32, 40, and 10 record, which was good for 74 points, 
um, for some perspective, the team that finished last in the Atlantic division, Montreal, who again, they play on Friday, uh, finished with 55 points. So um, coming into this year, and I know that there were some comments made that I don't know, Trent, what was the way that it was posed as far as what Lalone said about the team that you wanted to bring up? Well, what he was, what he was essentially saying was he was asked about, you know, what the expectations are this year or something like that. And he said, Hey, the last team to make the playoffs last year scored a hundred points. This team scored 76 jumps like that. Don't really happen. Like it, it I'm paraphrasing of course, but that's, that's essentially the point he made. Yeah. And I, I understand where that, where some fans may hear that and be a little bit discouraged, but to his point. So like I just said, the Red Wings had 74 points last year. The Boston Bruins were the fourth team to make it out of the Atlantic division. They were the wild card team. Um, they had 107 points and, you know, to, to go to his point of, of the Washington capitals, the worst team quote unquote, to make it in the playoffs, um, out of the Eastern conference conference had a hundred points in the Washington capital. So 74 points to a hundred points is, is quite a jump. And that's, it's just a testament to how good the league is, is that's really where your number is going to have to be around to make it as a wild card this year. And I think that the the league's only getting better and better. And I will truly die on the hill that you are playing in the toughest division in hockey as of right now. I mean, the Florida Panthers, um, you know, they make a couple moves. They lose Mackenzie Weger. They lose Jonathan Huberto, but they get uh, Matthew Kachuk back in that trade. Um, the Maple Leafs are still the Maple Leafs, and they're obviously hungrier than hungrier than ever to to win a playoff series. You know, let alone make the playoffs. But uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are still the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, another strong year out of Boston. Buffalo's getting better. The Senators are getting better. They might even be better than the Red Wings this year, um, depending on how things shake out. And then Montreal got a little bit better too from being at rock bottom, but. Um, not not a team that I think is going to compete in this division at all, but nonetheless, I mean, you play in a difficult division, and so for him to make that comment, I don't I don't think there should be too much that's being read into that. But what what Red Wings fans need to know is that this this team took a substantial jump with their roster from last year to this year. You trim some fat, you know, you lose Danny to Kaiser, you lose Mark Stahl. Um, you know, guys like Sam Gagne, who I really enjoyed watching play like that. That's a guy that's no longer with you. Carter Rowney, um, Giovanni Smith, I'll get into in a second, but he was uh, put on waivers by the Red Wings. So you have you have trimmed a good amount of fat from this roster that you were you that in fat that I say, you know, you had a couple bad contracts. So maybe maybe the Danny DeKaiser contract obviously was not good the last two to three years of his career which is now gone um mark Stahl, who you brought back just to be a veteran steady presence who is now gone um uh thomas grice is now in st louis you bring over villa huso so you get better at gold in the goaltending department too especially so the the roster is better and that's a testament to just steve eiserman's work and you you spend the money on andrew cop you spend the money on ben Chirot, you go get a dominant kubalik but what what doesn't what can't be overlooked is that this team, and I did say a couple years ago, I think 2023, this season was the year they'd make the playoffs. And when you go through any type of coaching change, it can be very, very hit or miss of, you know, how how quickly can this thing get turned around? Because they were very poor last year down like and, and things were um, you know, pretty exciting to start the year, but water kind of found its level with that team and they were their goal differential was minus 82, which was one of the absolute worst in the league. 
Um, their power play was not good defensively. I mean, you, you, how many games did you see in, that this team just got absolutely blown out of 312 goals against um, 230 goals for, to put that in perspective, the Panthers won the division last year, 340 goals for it. So they're scoring almost literally over a hundred more goals than your team did all year. So there were several deficiencies in this team just based on personnel. And I think a lot of it has been, has been solved. So, and I, and I guess to get, to get into the roster of, of what they're going to look like on opening night. Um, no, no surprises here on that first line, Dylan Larkin between Tyler Bertuzzi and Lucas Raymond, who, um, you know, th- I know they experimented with some different, different combinations on that first line at different points in the year. Um, but I think it all came back down to this line being the most productive as far as combinations are concerned. I don't know how long Robbie Fabry is going to be out. He was at the event last night. He looks good. Obviously, you know, you can look good and your knees not work too. Like, I mean, he's had on his third ACL surgery. So, you know, he was looking sharp in his suit, but I can't necessarily tell you how healthy his body is. So um, who knows when he's coming back, but the Larkin Bertuzzi and Raymond Lyon is a fine first line. And I think we have to remember how good, um, how good Lucas Raymond was last year as a rookie. I know he didn't, end up being up for the Calder voting, but he was right outside the top three. Um, So another year with those three together, I think uh, bodes for a very promising top line. And you have two guys in contract years and Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi that, I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent are going to have to prove as much as they can to get the money in term that they want. So um, that first line's great. And, And to me, where the conversation really has to be is in lines two and three. And your second line now, which, you know, last year was a combination of, you know, Jacob Vrana will still be on that second line this year. But, you know, is it Robbie Fabry centering that second line? Is it Joe Valeno on some nights? Um, you know, Vladislav Nemesnikov was on that second line some nights, even on your first line. And now you're looking at a, a really true steady second line of Andrew Kopp, David Perron, and Jacob Vrana. And in that top six, to me, immediately makes you more competitive no matter what. And 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 those two lines are not going to change very much throughout this year. I mean, there's a couple different pieces. Like you can look at a guy like Phillips Adina. Are they going to give him a chance to play on that second line? Who knows? Um, but those top two lines are solid. And then we go to line three, and you're probably looking at Pew Suter between Dominic Kubalik and um, that's probably where Zadina fits on that third line, to be completely honest with you. And then um, your fourth line is going to be Michael Rasmussen between uh, Elmer Soderblom and, and, and maybe Adam Ernie, maybe Joe Valeno. That's really where, as far as the forward group is concerned, with Robbie Fabry out of the lineup, I'm not entirely sure what the plan is with your Valeno and your Rasmussen, who I assume Rasmussen is going to probably play every single night, but between Ernie and Valeno and Rasmussen and Soderblom and Oscar Sundquist as well, who we cannot forget. Um, I'm assuming that Sundquist is going to play on that fourth line. He's obviously more than capable of playing on the third line, but those names I mentioned are kind of the pool of guys where it's like, well, you might see them be shuffled in and out of the lineup every night. Um, Adam Ernie to me is probably the guy that's on the outside looking in significantly. Um, so, you know, and I think that's no harm, no foul there to have him as your extra, as your extra skater. And he probably knows the writings on the wall for him, as far as this being his last year in town. Um, the big story out of the forward group is Elmer Soderblom making the team six foot eight out of Sweden. And one of those guys who, when he was drafted a couple years ago, whenever his draft year was, 
I mean, the immediate thing that jumps off the page is his size. But, you know, with guys that are that big, usually the downside is they're skating. And over the last two seasons, he has gotten so much better with his skating and so much more comfortable with the puck on his stick. And you watched him play a bit in his, you know, his junior career. And I don't, I think he got a year in the SHL last year, um, but playing in, the the world championships or the world juniors or whatever tournament he was just in. I'm, I, I'm, I think it's the world championships I'm thinking of and, and really being, being a component of offensive production for a really strong Swedish team. And he had a great training camp and preseason wise, I think he played in like six out of the eight games or something like that. And, and scoring goals, being productive, like tough to play against in the corners. He did every, everything he should have to earn a spot on this team. And the way that the NHL works with contracts is I believe he has like 10 or 11 games that he can play in um, before you have the option to send him down and it not count against like his contract or, you know, he won't have to clear waivers or anything like that. So I'm assuming that he's going to be in the lineup for at least the first 10 games of the year is kind of on a tryout basis and they'll see where they're at with him. And then if they want to send him down, no harm, no foul, but he absolutely did everything he could and, and deserved to make this team. So that forward group that I read off to you right there, I mean, I guess like there's obviously question marks. Every Red Wings fan has question marks about Rasmussen and Philip Zadina because they were higher draft picks and they're familiar names and everyone wants them to take a step. My biggest question mark on this forward group is Joe Valeno, um, an incredibly skilled player that I just think is a product of maybe not getting the ice time that he would want and being forced to play in a role in more of the bottom six because of just, you know, he's has not been good enough to crack the top six to, um, you know, to middle six. So I, I'm hoping that he's able to get some ice time this year and hopefully playing with a guy like Kubalik and playing with the Sunquist or whatever they want to do with that line. Um, if they want to keep him at center, which I think that they're probably more inclined to keep him at center than they are Michael Rasmussen. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see him take a step, but the, I, I like the forward group a lot defensively. Um, ben Sherratt, Mo Sider, Olimata, Philip Ronick, Robert Hag, Gustav Lindstrom, Jordan Osterley. That, that's how you're starting the year this year. Um, Wallman's hurt. I'm trying to think of someone else that I'm, I'm not thinking of too defensively that's not on the roster right now, but um, uh, Jake Wallman's hurt to start the season. I think that's a guy that between between him and Jordan Osterley and Robert Hag, like those are the three guys that I think are somewhat interchangeable as far as defensemen of who's going to be that seventh guy, eighth guy on any given night. So, um, but but realistically, I mean, the Ben Sherratt Mo Sider pairing is going to be fun to watch this year. You, you get a lot more defensive help, and Ben Sherratt is a veteran leader presence on this team. His biggest upside is his defensive play. And Mo Sider is a really good two-way defenseman. And I think that having Ben Sherratt is going to allow Mo to open his game up a bit more offensively, take a couple more chances, and get involved in the play. And, you know, we've all seen what, what Mo can do defensively, too, with his reach and his physicality and whatnot. So um, a tremendous upgrade in bringing in Ben Sherratt. I know some people don't love the contract and the term and whatever, which, again, one of the most highly touted trade deadline pieces last year and Ben Sherratt. So um, I think Red Wings fans will enjoy him. Um, I, I'll be honest with the defensemen. Like it, it's still not a tremendous group. Philip Pronick, this, this is, this to me is like the clock is kind of ticking on him as far as what he's going to be for this team. Um, I know he's, he definitely has top four potential, um, but that potential is getting, you know, smaller and smaller as, as time goes on. Like, you know, Philip Pronick to me, if he doesn't take a step here and is able to contribute a bit more, 
offensively and truly be a weapon on the blue line. Like he's, he's just a top six player to me, as far as your D is concerned. Um, you know, Oli Mata is another guy that kind of brings more of that defensive edge to him. So um, the thing that I like about those top two pairings is that you really have a nice balance of a, of a more defensively inclined defenseman with the more offensively inclined defenseman that just, it seems to just be the formula of what works um, in the NHL, as far as, you know, production from the blue line. And then looking at your last pairing of, you know, whether it's Osterley and Lindstrom, Robert Hag and Lindstrom, um, Lindstrom's kind of that defensive presence and people have mixed feelings on him of, of, you know, he, I don't think he has matured as quick as many people would like. And I think there's sort of a split camp on him of whether or not he really plays into the future here. But um, to me as a right-handed shot defenseman that plays, that plays tough um, decision-making needs some work. It's not a guy that's going to really produce for you offensively, but he can eat up penalty kill minutes um, when he's healthy. He's tough to play against. And like I said, I mean, when Wallman comes back, um, you know, that's definitely something that to, to look at as far as how he gets played into the mix. I, I really like what I saw out of Jake Wallman last year. I think he's got uh, a really good skater, and I think he has a lot to his game that people might not give him credit for. Um, and it's, his skating is what helps him the most with that, just as far as being active in the play. But Hag, Lindstrom, Osterley, Wallman, like those are your guys that are going to be kind of in and out of the lineup. And again, I, I think that the clock is ticking for – Jordan Osterley, I don't think Robert Hag is expected to come in here and do anything tremendous. Uh, Mark Pissick is the other guy that I'm thinking of that will not be with the team to start the year who's, who's battling a torn Achilles tendon. So um, don't expect to see him anytime soon. But um, that that whole you know bottom mix of guys, we'll, we'll see how they get played in and out of the lineup. I don't think any of those guys besides Gustav Lindstrom is probably the only guy in that group that's going to be penciled in every single night. And then we get to goalies, Billy Huso, Alex Nadalkovich. Um, this is, I, I am really excited for this goalie tandem. I mean, Billy Huso had a tremendous year in St. Louis last year. And as the, as the season marched on and they got into the playoffs, um, wasn't as strong as he was in the regular season. And the blues leaned on their guy that won him a cup and Jordan Bennington Bennington played great for the blues in the playoffs. Um, and it was kind of one of those things of the blues had to make a choice of who are we going to roll the balls out with here come this year. And they chose Bennington. And that's why Huso's in Detroit. And it's kind of funny, you know, Grace gets swapped over there and the wings take Huso. But um, I would say that, that Billy Huso has probably looked at, if you want to name one of these guys a starter, I would say it would be Billy Huso. Um, but it, more and more teams in the league are doing the split goalie rotation. So him and Ned are going to probably see relatively equal time unless one of these guys steps up and makes, and makes progress and, I believe Ned's on the last year of his deal. He might have one more year after this. Huso's got a couple more years left because they just extended him a bit. Um, but but really, the, the the bottom line is that the writing is on the wall with the goalie situation. Sebastian Costa is going to start the year in the AHL with the Grand Rapids Griffins. That is your goalie of the future. And I, I thought that he looked really sharp in preseason action. Um, definitely still has a little bit of ways to go. But with his frame at 6'7", 6'8", whatever he is, um, just, just so sound positionally, really calm demeanor in the net. And I, I just think as all the, all the makings to be a really solid professional in this league. And, and it's never, it, it's always hard with goalies because there's a, of course the anomalies of your guys like Mark Andre Fleury, who get taken first overall. He has a cup of coffee in the AHL. Boom. He's right in Pittsburgh and he's going to go down as a hall of fame goalie. But then you have your situations too, like Carter Hart. Really high draft pick, Got the Philadelphia fly hit kind of hot. 
Really, really high draft pick for the Philadelphia Flyers. They really threw him in the net. I think he was like 19 or 20 at the most when he first started with the Flyers. Super, super strong start, but then water found its level with him and he struggled a bit. And, you know, now like people have eyes on him. Like what's the deal with Carter Hart? Need a bounce back year. But the, the moral of the story with the goalies, and I want to make sure Carter Hart stays tied into this. Teams that are that poor defensively, like the Flyers, like the Red Wings, that don't score a ton of goals, that let up a ton of goals, that spend a lot of time in their own zone, that aren't really that sharp on special teams. And and granted, the Wings were weren't as, weren't as poor on the penalty kills they were on the power play. It's very hard for young goaltenders to succeed when, when if that's the case. You know, when you have older veteran guys that can stand on their head and eat forty five shots a game, it's a different story. But, you know, I, I know Alex Ndelkovic had a bit of a disappointing year last year after he started off somewhat strong. Um, but I, I am am really promised on his – or I show a lot of promise in his game. And I think with now having a bit better of better defense and your add forwards up front who not only can score, but your guys like Perron and Kopp, like those are, those are two very defensively responsible players that are going to help you out in your own zone. So – um, I think that the goalie situation is exactly where it needs to be. And the, and the moral of the story is, or the bottom line is for this team, you know, come maybe not next year, but the year after Sebastian Coase is going to be here and it's going to be his net. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm anticipating next year, maybe Coase, if, if Ned's not here anymore, or, or I don't know what, you know, I, Huso or Nadelkovich, only one of these guys is going to be here when Kosa comes up at just how the world works. So, Whichever one it is that they want to keep, and I think it's going to be Huso. Um, you know, they'll they'll have Sebastian Cosa here that's going to get his, I don't know, ten to twelve games, and then sure enough, the the year after he'll probably take over the net. So that's the situation for them. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think of other things here as far as guys that got. I mean, really no surprises as far as guys that didn't make the team. Um, I would say you know, uh, Ataro Hirose. Uh, was sent back down to Grand Rapids. That's a guy that I just, it's its going to be very, very, very hard for him to find a spot on this team on the NHL roster. But a, a, a he great... got waived. Yeah, he, he did. So I guess with those guys, like to your point, they do have to clear waivers to to get to Grand Rapids. I, and I think the waiver claim process went through on like Monday. So I'd have to look. I don't, I didn't hear anything of anyone getting claimed by anyone else, but um, you know, Hiroshi was waived. Giovanni Smith was waived, which might upset some people that liked his game. Uh, I did too. Trust me. I mean, you know, that's a guy that plays strictly on your fourth line. He's not afraid to drop the gloves, but the bottom line is, you know, the Red Wings have guys now that can play on that fourth line with a little bit of sandpaper and they can produce on the score sheet, which Giovanni Smith really couldn't. Um, the only other name that comes to mind is Simon Edvinson that didn't make the team. Um, in, in, in reality, when watching his a little bit of his game in the preseason, d- definitely, I think, is just a, just maybe half a step slower than where he needs to be. And you got to think, too, that a guy like Simon Edmondson comes from a league where the ice sheet is bigger and you have a little bit more time to make plays um, and you have more room to work in the corners um, and you can, you know, stretch the ice a bit more. It's not as it's not as clogged up the middle as it is in the NHL. So he maybe just a bit of a a learning curve for him to adjust to the smaller North American ice. And I I think that with some time in Grand Rapids, he will be more than fine, nothing to be concerned about, but you know, just, it's always a pleasure to watch his skating ability and uh, how comfortable he is with the puck. So he'll be a force to be reckoned with come next year. I'm sure you'll see him at some point, but 
I don't know, man. I'm excited. I don't, I mean, that's kind of the roster for you. Again, you know, Fabry's hurt, uh, Pissick's hurt, uh, Wallman's hurt. So in, in due time, those guys will make their way back into the lineup. It's just going to be sooner than later for Wallman and later than sooner for Pissick and Fabry. But, um, and then, you know, we'll see where this team's at, but it's going to be hard for this team to make the playoffs just because of how good everyone else is. They're, they're still a little bit of ways away. They have to figure out the Larkin and Bertuzzi contracts. That's priority number one. And then, you know, we'll see what Steve Eiserman wants to do because this will be another off season where you're probably going to go spend some money and, you know, take inventory of, of what you see. And, you know, your, your Pew Suter, who I think it's a contract year for Suter and Ernie. And um, I believe Rasmussen has some time left, but it might be a contract year for Sunquist as well. So um, they're, you know, they're another year away from, from really being like a, a, a dominant, I shouldn't say dominant, but a more competitive team. But they'll compete this year, and they'll be fun to watch. And, you know, it's a team that's going to be worth watching on any given night. Like, Dominic Kubelik had a great preseason. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's really going to find find some resurgence to his career here in Detroit. Um, no one has seen Andrew Kopp yet because he's been battling injury. Um, Bertuzzi's been a bit banged up. But um, all, all good things in the city of Detroit for this hockey team. So first game's on Friday against Montreal. Um, if you're down at Little Caesars Arena, great. I'll be there. I'll see you there. I will too. Uh, should be a good time. So that's all I have. I'll let you turn it over to you guys. Do you want to throw anything in there or whatnot? What's it called? So cops playing on Friday though, right? Yeah, it does. It sounds like he'll be in the lineup. Um, I, I think Zadina's a bit banged up, but um, it, it's yeah. It sounds like everyone for the most part is relatively healthy. So I, cops should be playing on opening night. I would say yes. Okay. Um. First thing, I'm a little skeptical about this goalie situation. I really am. I, I think if you were half a Altovich wasn't that great. I didn't think that he let in. He had problems with his short side. I saw like bad angled goals. I feel like he was giving up like two a week. But um, there's potential there. And like you said, these guys are not on limited leashes, but it's more like an opportunistic like opportunity here where it's like they're not the future, probably. So it's like, hey, go play great and you'll get a bad from somewhere else or we'll extend you until this kid comes up. Know what I mean, Rebs? So I, I, I'm more skeptical about this goalie situation, but you have good motivators for both these guys, and I think people around the league really loved that Huso trade by the Wings. Like, I, I feel like everyone was like, wow, that was a steal. So that's optimistic. But, I, I mean, I'm skeptical. I, I, I mean, I, I'm interested to see what they look like there. Because, like you said, I mean, this defense is still – it's been like 10 years and this defense is still not – doesn't have great depth. Yeah, it's not all that strong. I hear you. But, yeah, I mean – Yeah, it, 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 I'm just saying, it, it, when you put your defense in tight spots, like, I mean, your goalie in tight spots, I don't know. So things are happening. I one thing I yep. think people forgot about this win scene because they started off the year really well. The back half of the year embarrassing for about like a month there, where yeah, they were just bad. They were getting murdered. So Derek, I can't. I don't know how to say his last name. Lalone. Lalone. Basically goes down in expectations. I think it's more. I think that's just. Because the season, they were out of playoff contention by that point, but they, like, flat out were losing, like, 7-1 to one of the Coyotes. Jerseys yeah. were being thrown on the ice. Like, it was ugly. 
I don't think it was as great as everyone remembered last year as a as a whole. So I I, I think that's the reason for tempered expectations. Also, the one thing about Elmer, I will say, he has great hands for a big guy. Really good hands. And, and seems like he will be in the mix in one of those power plays eventually going forward on this team. And I think he'd be a huge asset. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I think we're, you said 2023 was probably the year. I think I felt like they made a lot of splashy moves in free agency this year. I still feel like Eiserman is like one, he's circling one big move. And I don't know this year during the death ever. It still feels like this team is like a year away. I feel I feel like next year it's like okay, we're gonna pull up Edmondson and we're gonna make a, we're gonna sign a huge defenseman. You know what I mean? I, it still feels yeah. that way. Which I mean, it kind of sucks because no one else in the city of Detroit is awesome. But this team is very watchable and, and should be very entertaining this year. I don't know if they're gonna be in the mix in the wild card or whatever, but they are will be watchable. So that's I mean. It's more than I can say about the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. The Detroit for sure. Lions. For so. sure. I think they'll definitely be in the mix for the wild card. Uh, we'll get, we'll do Pistons next week. Of course, it's the Lions bye week and we'll have plenty of Pistons stuff for you next week. But I feel similarly about the wings. albeit knowing much less about hockey in general as I do about the Pistons, which is just probably not a wild card team or in the Pistons case play in probably not. But that can be the goal, and it's, like, not ridiculous for that to be the goal. And if you get a little lucky and you get some bounces here and there and you you, you take advantage of, you know, a couple bad a, – a sleight of hand from the opponent, a, a, you know, a team that might be a little bit better than you on a night-to-night basis, just show up and play. Like Collins said, you can't get embarrassed like you did at the end of last season. I just think having a new coach with a new message that's getting through maybe on a more of a nightly basis, I don't know. I just like – I like the new energy. I like the additions. Like Colin said, it's a little sketch what's going on in the net. You guys know that that's always what I pay most attention to. I think to. people are more optimistic about it. I just I feel like we need to hold on. It was like Michigan State fans this year. It's like, oh, Payne Thorne's like a top 10 quarterback in like the country. I'm like, can we hold on and wait and actually see it? No, I mean, I do. Th- like with the goalies, I I do. I think it's going to be a lot better. Like Villy, Villy Huso. Sh- Billy Huso should be like I shouldn't say should be, but like that's a guy I could start in this league. Like it was just a like I said, it was a matter of he realistically like stole the net from Jordan Bennington last year, and it caused a whole bunch of chaos because Bennington's been the guy. He won a cup with them, and then come the playoffs, you have such a short lease, and it takes one or short leash, and it takes one or two games for you not to you know to not hold the team to two goals, two, one, zero goals. And they try something else. And Bennington took the net back over and he was fantastic. And, you know, that's where they're at. So I, I, Billy Huso is like, th- he is this team starter. He really is. And, and I think him and Ned are going to be able to split time. Um, but, you know, like you said, the writing's on the wall. One of these guys, like they're, they're both going to have an opportunity to play and whether their opportunity comes elsewhere beyond this year or, or not. Like that's a song for another time, but I, I'm, I'm pretty promised by it. I'm, I'm assuming the Hughes is going to have the net game one. He has. To. I also will say this. I think this is a chance if you want to have optimism about the wins. I could see Larkin and Bertuzzi both having massive years this year. Yeah, Bertuzzi's gonna. I mean, 
the Bertuzzi thing, like for him, it's all the number, like as far as what he's going to end up getting paid. So for him, you know, I, I he adds so much that comes off the puck and, and de de defensively, he's really sound. He plays with a bit of sandpaper. So for him, it's going to be about like if he can produce at the clip he was last he year when he was healthy. healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Then he's he's hurt every year, too, which is which is tough. And Larkin gets banged up a bit, too. But I think that Dylan Larkin, I think Steve Eiserman has Dylan Larkin in the plans here for the future. It's going to be a matter of finding the right number for both sides. I'd like to think that he might take a bit of a hometown discount. We can talk contract and stuff later on. But Bertuzzi's a different story, man. I mean, it's going to I think Eiserman is he strikes me as a guy that has a number in mind of what he's willing to pay. And if, if they can't agree to terms on that, then it might be a trade deadline move, depending on where they're at. So I'm saying I think Larkin's going to have a big deal too. I mean, he's obviously get paid. So, I mean, I, I expect a big year out of him too. He was great last year too. For sure. For sure. So one and all on Friday, one and all on Friday. It all starts Friday. One and all. Can't wait. All right, well, we'll, get, we'll keep tabs on the wings. Um, we'll talk about them next week when they get a couple games under their belt when we do the Pistons season preview and the uh, the recap for the line or the Tigers season, excuse me. Uh, Mortal Locks here, and then we, we part ways. Sure. Cool. Um, so, Ryan Collins, you're 6-0. Oh. It's been amazing. Um, let me. Uh, Is it 6-0 or 5? 6 I think officially five. We've done this for officially five weeks, but you gave a winner on week one or week zero. I think. Okay. Do we have Rabs? Did we lose Rabs for a sec? No, no I'm getting Rabs. Oh, yeah, you're there. Just, I okay. pressed the wrong button. No, um, what's it going on? What did you take last week? Last week I took the uh, Titans to cover against the Commanders. Titans minus two and up, a half. Ended up being a really tight game. Uh, Titans had to pick it off at the goal line to pretty much seal it. So. I don't there you know. Go. I we got all lucky. won last week. We I all got won. lucky. I'm hot. I'm t I'm on a two game heater. I think two week heater. Did you put in a parlay, Trent? Didn't you say you usually put in a parlay? Usually I do, but I I didn't. I didn't this week, dude. The stuff that I say on here, I should say this because this this really diminishes my integrity as a gambling. I, I I don't even know what to call myself. We we make a pick for fun. I'm not like giving advice out to people, but. I I rarely bet the picks that I give here. So if you're looking to tail someone or you're looking to like, you know, it's get jump, jump on on some heat, it's Collins or or at the very least, Ryan Rabinowitz, our good friend. Well, dude, we have we have the same record now. We're both two and four. Everyone won this week. Collins was Tennessee minus three. I told you I was the T the TCU Kansas over yeah. 68 and a half, and Trent was Titans minus two and a half. But Trent, you and I are two and four. It hasn't been good on Mortal Locks. Collins has the true Mortal Locks. So Collins, I'll let you kick it off as the clubhouse leader. I love UNC minus seven. Eight o'clock game against Duke. Basketball? Football. <laughs> minus seven. That was good. There's Drake a couple. May, they score a ton of points. I don't think Duke can keep up. I don't think Duke has like a real football fan base. I could imagine that there's going to be it's going to be like 60 40 UNC fans at this Duke UNC game. And I if you saw UNC's helmets this coming Saturday, they are filthy. And I just I just think that matters. That matters. They're coming off a decent one too against Miami. I like I like UNC to hammer Duke this weekend. All right, Trent, what do you have? Collins, there, I'm going to need your help on this because I might take this if this is 
as ridiculous as it looks. Kansas is a nine-point dog at Oklahoma. Dude, I don't know what's going on in Vegas with, with Kansas, but I believe they're undefeated against the spread. I don't think they've lost a spread this year. I believe in the Jayhawks. I do. And I'm not, not going to make that pick, though. They I just... They pushed last weekend. Right. So... And they actually, they didn't, they still looked good. They hung a bunch of points. So I just, well, I don't know. The did thing about beat, it is. they beat TCU? No, they lost. No, they, they lost, but it was like lost. High, it was high scoring. They lost by seven points. But, I mean, Kansas lost their starting quarterback, I think, in the first quarter. And they hung in that game. I actually kind of like Kansas as bad to quarterback. He didn't look that bad. But that's why the number is so large, Trent, is okay. because I believe, I believe Oklahoma is getting back their starter. And, I mean, Oklahoma lost by fifty to Texas last week. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't understand. Have Oklahoma plus seven. Yeah, I, I don't had Oklahoma understand plus the line. Too. And the I over. Took that, I I took the cheese. Um. Yeah i I don't hate that pick because Kansas is just one of those special teams. So I don't hate. I swear to God, I don't think they've lost. Uh, I know they pushed last weekend, but I don't think they've lost about all year. Vegas has disrespected them all year, and they've played in every single game. Okay. Okay. I just I just needed your inside college. What is it? Nine and a half. Well, it's nine. It's nine even right now that I see. But I don't know. My actual mortal lock, though. I know I do this every week. Sorry. I know I give like two picks, and one of them is official. My official mortal lock is the Los Angeles Rams minus ten and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Panthers, of course, fire Matt Rule this week. We all know how that typically goes. Sometimes they can fire a team up. Usually not. Uh there's no Baker, of, right? Bunch, yeah, no Baker. Bunch of rumors well, of a he fire could be sale. The worst quarterback in the league, so they might trade Christian McCaffrey. There's a lot of weird friction going on, and, and the Dude, Rams I would trade McCaffrey if I were them. I would too. Rams coming off back to back bad weeks. I just think this is a get right game for the Rams back in LA. You're playing the Panthers. Ah, ten and a half. Basically, you're asking them to win by double digits. I like the Rams. I like Matthew Stafford. Get back on track. So that's my Rams, official. I, I will say this special pick. I think the Rams suck right now. I don't know if they'll figure it out. But Their whole line right sucks. Now. That's what it is. I, everyone sucks. <laughs> That's my official pick. That's all I got for you. All right, cool. I am. Uh, I was scrolling through the college football stuff. Admittedly, have not been good on the mortal locks. I'll be the first one to admit that. Two and four. Definitely doesn't sound like a lock if I've only won two. I am going to take... NC State on the road, plus three and a half at Syracuse. I can't believe Syracuse is undefeated. I can't believe they're ranked. I think that coach stinks. I think NC State's a much better team. They're catching three and a half points on the road. Even if they get to three, I would love it. But I think they can win the game outright. Like Did I, NC I, State win last weekend? Against, uh, I think so. Against Florida State? Uh, I think so. Also, right? a game to keep your eye on. I'm pretty sure like Florida State's only a three and a half point dog against Clemson this week. Yeah. Your... All right, we'll keep tabs on it. NC State plus three and a half, and I and I also want to give out to my Rabo Riders line in the sand game of the year. Michigan State plus seven and a half. This is the line in the sand game. If Michigan State can, if Michigan State they're has any pride, win. well, if they're up there, hey, look, I just need, I need them to cover. If they have any well, pride, I, I, they need to win, and they're not going to. Oh, they need and I, to. Win. I also want to say, and talk about Michigan State. The whole like, hey, like he doesn't like Melissa's uh, roster depleted. All they got injuries on the defense. There's a difference between losing all these games 
and not even being competitive. They haven't been competitive in a game in a month. So anyone who wants, I, I so that Mel's the right guy, but there needs to be changes. I don't know if it's his staff or his steam or whatever. They haven't been competitive in four straight games, and that's coaching. I'm sorry. They have talent to compete in this conference. Well, nonetheless, line in the sand game of the year. If they have any pride, they'll get up for this game. They'll at least cover. They'll play them tough. And if they don't, then they're dead to me. So The fact that I have to – this is how sick my brain is that I would rather go to Spartan Stadium than stay home and watch the Alabama-Tennessee game, which I arguably would be probably like – I want to say the best team in college football this year. Yep. I think the winner goes to the playoff for sure. It's at Tennessee. Tennessee hasn't beat them in like 12 years. Like that that scene in Knoxville is going to be insane. And I would rather go to East Lansing and walk, get my teeth kicked in for like the fifth straight weekend. I'll be there too, Collins. It's sickening. If, the, if State's going to lose, they better be losing big by half. Or they better be up by a mil- How about that? They're up by 30 at half and we can go watch the game. How about that? They'll probably be down 30. Seems a joke. Glass half full. All right. Is that it for today, folks? I think that is all we have for the people. Next week, big show next week. Lions can't hurt us next week, so we will have some fun. How's that? Big week. Yep. We'll do Piston season preview, Lions yep. season recap. We'll touch on the wings. Like Tiger first season games. recap. We'll have a couple, we'll have a couple wings wins to talk about. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are on Spotify exclusively for the time being. Follow us. Rate us five stars if you'd like. We'd appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Love you very much. Take care.